So this time up on the Arantia Radio podcast, we're going to delve into prayer and what it does to improve the quality of mind and how prayer could solve a lot of our earthly problems right now. And I think that's an important topic. So let's discuss it on the Arantia Radio Inside the Revelation podcast. Welcome to the Arantia Radio Podcast and Inside the Revelation. My name is Jim Watkins. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you so much. The website, uh, radio.net continues to grow. And the listenership to these podcasts continues to grow. I get wonderful emails from people all over the country about uh, things that we talk about here on the Arantia Radio Podcast. And one caught my eye. Uh, that I want to share a little bit of it with you. You know, we do spend a little bit of time talking about the state of the world, right? And is eh, a lot of people are nervous. There's no question uh, that things are not normal. But, you know, we are an experimental planet. And while it is, um, you know, we're talking about the end of the world, And uh, I brought up the story of the three monks. The first monk said that when Jesus comes, I want him to see me praying. The other monk said, you know, when Jesus shows up, I want him to see me worshiping. And then the third monk said, when Jesus shows up, I'm going to do what uh, I was put here to do, which is to clean the latrine. And the other two monks were, "Are are you crazy? And he said, look, you know, whether he comes here or we go there, we have a job to do. And our lives are a testament to that job. And if we do our daily duty, what is the quote? The act is ours, the consequence is God. And I I thought it was a a very good uh, perspective that sometimes we can get caught up in this whole end times thing. But I got a great letter from someone uh, that I'll share this with you. It says, the topic of end times prophecy is a broad one that seems to be prevalent with modern Christians. Everywhere you look, there are so-called end-times prophecies that, although differing widely in detail, tend to have the same deleterious effects on the unfortunate folks who get caught up in them. Many seem to live in fear of the apocalyptic scenarios and divine chastisements. And by the way, I'll raise my hand, I'm, I'm guilty of that. And she writes, and consequently focus on doing whatever they can to save themselves from looming doom. For a lot of people, it can quickly turn into an obsession that hampers and even halts spiritual growth. At least that's what happened to me some years ago when I became steeped in it and eventually realized what a negative impact it was having on my life. End times obsession can result in a kind of victim mentality in which people give up trying to improve the world around them and instead focus on only the chaos happening in the world. Guilty. While impatiently praying for Jesus to return and instantly transforming everything. As true faith sons and daughters, we are anything but powerless victims. We all have full access to Jesus' spirit of truth to teach and guide us in how to positively 
transform ourselves and our world one day at a time, and in the unique way that God has in mind for each of us. If we abrogate our responsibility to cooperate with the Holy Spirit toward our own spiritual growth in favor of submissively waiting for God's judgment to come crashing down on those we may judge as evil, and or likewise focus our lives solely on waiting for Jesus to return and in one instant change the world into heaven, we only contribute to the total load of the world's spiritual darkness and unwittingly work against God's plan for healing our world. It's truly that only God, God's grace has the power to transform hearts and thus transform the world. But he is patiently waiting for humanity's consent to this transformation, starting with each one of us who actively chooses his love and then spreads it to others. Now, they go on, and it's such a, and I'm going to post this on yourrancherradio.net so you can read the full article. It's just a, it's a wonderful essay. And I'll tell you, it changed my mind about a lot of perspectives because, you know, how can you not... How could you not be bothered by the tension of everyday life? We see it all around us. You know, we see the war in Ukraine. We see moral uh, immorality emerging. I won't even go into some of the things that I read about, but it's just, it's again, you can get drawn into the darkness. And that's what I think ends up happening when you start taking in too much of what's happening. Because thank, you know, because of, technology, we all see more than we ever saw before. And many of these things may have been happening, but we just didn't see it. We didn't know about it. Back before telephones and TV and video and YouTube, you know, we didn't we didn't see somebody get pushed in front of a bus. We didn't see a high school student uh, physically assault a teacher. We didn't see those things so they didn't bother us. But now when we see those things, we think, oh my God, this is going on everywhere. But that's not what's going on everywhere. What's going on everywhere mostly is that people are trying to live their lives with the hand that they're dealt. Uh, people who live in Africa that are discovering the Arantia book are just the same as the people in America discovering the Arantia book. They're looking for meaning in their life and they'll take whatever God will give them. And that's what's going on mostly, is that people want to have a good life. And to this end, I've said, and I've written articles about it, about the quality of thinking. The next stage in human existence has to be focused and emphasized on the quality of thinking. And the Arantia book has brought me to the following concept, that quality of thinking is best attained through prayer and meditation and worship. Quality of thinking needs to be improved if our world is to withstand the current schism that results in the ideological struggle between that which is divine and that which is wholly human and debased. And it is not until our quality of thinking improves that life can improve in more than just superficial ways of loving. From paper 5, section 3, worship is for its own sake. Prayer embodies a self or creature interest element. That is the great difference between worship and prayer. From paper five, also from paragraph four, 
section or paragraph five, section four, these differing concepts of the purpose of religion determine the individual's attitude in various life situations and foreshadows the depth of worship and the nature of his personal habits of prayer. So there it says prayer is directly linked to our quality of life. From paper 89, we learned that early prayer was hardly worship. It was really just bargaining with God for health, wealth, and life. We would pray for good things to happen to us. From paper 89, it also tells us primitive forms of prayer were nothing more nor less than bargaining with the spirits and argument with the gods. The prayer of of a just man was actually held in high esteem. The driving power of even the most material aspects of a cultural civilization is resident in the least material of society's achievements. Intelligence may control the mechanism of civilization. Wisdom may direct it. But spiritual idealism is the energy which really uplifts and advances human culture from one level of attainment to another. Spiritual idealism. From paper 81, at first life was a struggle for existence, now for a standard of living. Next it will be for the quality of thinking, the coming earthly goal of human existence. And that's why I assert we have to improve our quality of thinking. Now, a lot of this can come through education, proper education, properly taught education, not the education that we see that's occurring in our higher and secondary levels of education, where we're being uh, taught to believe in certain things that may or not necessarily be true, but they have everything to do with the earth and nothing to do with the spiritual ideals, spiritual idealism. In fact, spiritual idealism is dead in our teaching institutions. And as simple as it sounds, if we pray, all of us, living does improve because thinking, decision-making improves. It moves us inward and upward. Sadly, I am willing to wager most people do not know how to pray. They feel uncomfortable praying. Or they pray a certain way, a formal address. Maybe taught to us, a lot of us just recite the Lord's Prayer. Which is, hey, look, it's a a humble beginning. Even Jesus, when he was hard-pressed, formulated a prayer which millions recite every night when they go to bed. But the Master also told us that prayer is communion with God. It is the only method whereby we have access to divinity. Through the act of prayer, the willful act of prayer, which I believe achieves partial contact with the actual living spirit that could possibly reside in a very small pineal gland inside of our brain mass, or what the Urantia book refers to as the citadel of the mind. Think about it. It's like a Bluetooth chip, hardwired into us by our maker, but but built in, baked in, in the original design. Isn't that something special? And we also recall that it was the act of prayer that elevated Andon and Fanta to human status, free will status. In fact, the act of prayer, the first prayer, was a woman, Fanta. She prayed, and then Andon prayed. It was heralded by the Most Highs with such great regard and importance, they sent a message. And let me read a little bit about that message from the Arantia book from paper 62. This is from the life carrier who was there that day when the message came from the Most Highs, heralding and celebrating the fact that the first two true advanced humans had been born through the act of prayer. Imagine our 
joy one day when the twins were about 10 years old, when the spirit of worship made its first contact with the mind of the female twin and shortly thereafter with the male. We knew that something closely akin to human mind was approaching culmination, and when about a year later they finally resolved as a result of meditative thought and purposeful decision to flee from home and journey north, then did the spirit of wisdom begin to function on our world and in these two now recognized human minds. It was an eventful day on Urantia when our small group gathered about the planetary pole of space communication and received the first message from Salvington. That's the home sphere for Michael, Christ Michael, Jesus, Salvington. And the message came, paper 62, to the life carriers on Urantia, greetings. We transmit assurance of great pleasure on Salvington, Edentia, and Jerusalem in honor of the registration of the headquarters of Nebadon with the existence of Urantia of mind of will dignity. So for the first time, the life carriers are getting the message because of Andon and Fonta, because of worship, because of prayer, meditative thought, and action. We were registered as a planet of will dignity. That's pretty significant. It, it, it actually illustrates greatly the significance of man making contact with his spirit. And we can do this willfully every single day of our lives. We can wake up in the morning and pray. We can stop what we're doing in the middle of the afternoon and meditate, clear our minds a little bit, and then in the evening, enjoy communion and worship. If you did that for a week, what would change in your life? What would change in the world if everyone did that? They weren't told a specific prayer, and and I and I believe there is a uh, I'd have to go digging for it, but there's a statement that says that every human being with a thought adjuster has the innate ability to know how to pray. It doesn't matter your education level, it doesn't matter your economic level, it doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter uh, your DNA. If you have a thought adjuster, if you have the spirit in your mind, which we do, which we are bestowed with, then we have the ability to pray. The purposeful decision of the twins to flee northward and segregate their offspring from the inferior ancestors had been noted. This is the first decision of mind, the human type of mind. And that was why they got the message. The decision of Andon and Fonta to flee from the primates' tribes implies a quality of mind far above the baser intelligence which characterized so many of their later descendants who stooped to mate with their retarded cousins of the Simeon tribes. But their vague feeling of being something more than mere animals was due to the possession of personality and was augmented by the indwelling presence of God's spirit, what they call the thought adjuster. Again, the spirit can be touched through prayer. It is a real thing, and such recognition, if better understood by people, would lead people to heightened quality of thinking, and that would result in better decision-making and, who knows, happier and healthier people. And so I'll close with this. The simple prayer of faith evidences a mighty evolution in human experience, whereby the ancient conversations with the fictitious symbol of the alter ego of primitive religion, uh, primitive religion, have become exalted to the level of communion with the spirit of the infinite. 
and to that of a bona fide consciousness of the reality of the eternal God and Paradise Father of all intelligent creation. Prayer ever has been and ever will be a twofold human experience, a psychological procedure interassociated with a spiritual technique. And these two functions of prayer can never be fully separated. From paper 91, enlightened prayer must recognize not only an external and personal God, but also an internal and impersonal divinity, the indwelling spirit. It is altogether fitting that man, when he prays, should strive to grasp the concept of the Universal Father on Paradise. But the more effective technique, for most practical purposes, will be to revert to the concept of a nearby alter ego, just as primitive men was wont to do, and then to recognize that the idea of this alter ego has evolved from a mere fiction to the truth of God's indwelling mortal man in the factual presence of of the spirit adjuster so that man can talk face to face, as it were, with a real and genuine and divine alter ego that indwells him and is the very presence and the essence of the living God, the Universal Father. I felt it important, and it had been in my mind, uh, particularly in the last few months, about the importance of prayer today in the world, because it, it it has occurred to me, and I'm sure it's occurred to you, that in the, in that arena, it seems that modern man experiences quite a deficit of his understanding of prayer. So hopefully, if you're a drive-by to this and you're hearing this podcast for the first time, this helps you understand better why the Urantia book is such a marvelous revelation. Until next time, thanks for stopping by.